Welcome to Talking In Stations. It's July 6th. I am Matterall. We're going to cover EVE Online news for today. Joining me on this program will be Rich. How are you doing, Rich? Hello. I'm about to... Well, you can see I'm dressed up because with the changes that are about to be happening this week or whenever they are implemented, there are changes that I will be celebrating about. So after this, I'm going to go ahead straight to a party to celebrate these changes because I'm loving it. Okay, we'll figure out what those are. Uh, we also have with us Shen. How are you doing, Shen? Doing well. Hello, hello. Hello. All right, guys, let's uh, get into it. The uh, first bit of news that we wanted to cover is this uh, Find Your Calling in the Universe. This is a dev blog that came out about seeking your destiny. I guess uh, we can read it and then uh, talk about it if we need to here. Okay, here it is. Seek your destiny. It can be challenging for a freshly minted capsuleer to know exactly which way to turn. The sheer open-endedness of EVE Online means that the paths available to you are essentially limitless. This world is what you make of it. To help you get started, the first phase of opportunities is going to live as part of our ongoing efforts to embrace new capsuleers into the fold, a feature intended to suggest activities to pursue and give ideas on what you need to do what you need to strive towards on your chosen path. This is an initial test phase for now and will only be available to new characters. The results of this phase will be used to further develop the feature with the aim of improving the new player experience and helping newcomers find relevant content tailored to their interests and aptitudes. Want to be a humble miner in a core system? Want to seek out the criminals of the universe and put them to justice? Want to build your own industrial or military empire? Or would you rather be an explorer on the outer fringes of the cluster? Whatever your aim, the interactive opportunities interface will guide you to provide suggest suggestions based on your choices and actions in whatever direction you might want to go. Set clear goals and find your best role in the swirling sandbox of this gigantic universe. All right, that's it. Not a very long read. And as you can see, there is, let's take a closer look at that, opportunities. What do you know about these? Well, it looks like a GUI change. I, I only What's a GUI a change? Time. Just for people that... Graphical user interface change. Okay. You can see right here, they've... But made it look a lot more visually pleasing. There's big buttons, there's things to look at, there's question marks so you can get an idea of what they, they are. I think it's a lot friendlier than what we currently have with the career agent system and the mission agent system that we currently have. Now, I, me being starting off in 2019, around August time, I did go through some of the career agents, and it was... Uh, in intuitive aside from the scanning part that drove me insane but <laughs> i yeah. i did get an idea of uh, some of the things i could do in the game this however with the these huge buttons it's well it's a lot easier to interact with <laughs> uh yeah uh shen do you have an opinion on this or do you know what it is what are they trying to do here so from whatever we're seeing right now, at least from this picture, we know that this is going to be a continuation of uh, career agent or the pathway that we're going to take after career agents. Uh, because right now we're seeing we're done with the thing in the uh, middle of the screen says complete two level one security agent missions. 
usually this kind of thing uh, will be done after career agents will be done. So I, I think this is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think I, I talked about this before as well, which is uh, the training wheel for new players uh, for EVE Online. Uh, we need to put them on a little bit longer. We'll give people the option of putting the training wheel on a little bit longer than whatever we have right now. So we can have, have people trying out different things, uh, also be rewarded at the same time uh, to basically guide them or let themselves uh, find new pathways to EVE. Yeah. Well, I think you're, I think you're both right and I'm in agreement. Uh, I like the idea that Rich pointed out the GUI is a bit different. Maybe newer players need a little more um, focus rather than having too many options at once. Maybe, I don't know. That's an assumption they're making probably based on research. But the interesting thing here is this looks like a continuation of the funnel. And as we know, a player comes in and they may get lost within, well, before they even download it. It may take too long, and, and that person says, this game's not for me. It's taking too long to, da- lo- too long to download and install. Why should I play this game? I got better options that I can just put on my phone quickly. So they've been working on getting people past that point, right? That's why you see EVE Anywhere, which is EVE Online in your browser. No download, no commitment, no install. Just turn the page to EVE Online and get started right away. That's the first thing that they're overcoming. And then they start going into the first... Mm, 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes, the first half hour. Do people survive that? And if they do, why? And if they don't, why not? And uh, this looks like it's further down the road as people do, you know, who've been here for a half hour to an hour, a day or two days or three days, and they finish tutorial missions, and then they need to figure out where they're going to go. And that's why you see this huge push and we did a, a podcast on it about a month ago on Eve. Um, oh gosh, what was it called? Eve. I should know this. Uh, it's not experience. It's Eve Academy. <laughs> okay, so they've named a couple of things Eve Academy. This is the latest version of Eve Academy. But what it is, is a website that just puts a bunch of resources in front of you so that you can uh, progress at your own pace. You don't have to watch videos and and sit through lectures or anything. You can literally hit a page, gives you a bunch of information, and you can go as deep as you want, as fast as you want. This looks like it's right in there, fits really well with Eve Academy, in that uh, they are bridging the gap between I've got into this game, now what? And it's a sandbox, do whatever you want. People need a little more track when they get into a game, just to pull them in, I think. Actually, this tracks with a friend of mine that I... um, uh, talked to who tried even it was like it wasn't for me i played it for a week and i was like wow you made it a week and then you quit what happened well he didn't know what to do next he literally said i just didn't i wanted to be told what to do next and i just ran out of missions so i think they're they're again creating a longer and longer funnel to keep players in longer and longer i you know what i like this uh this interface that they've made it reminds me of mobile games which is arguably one of the most easy to get into games quite casual with the buttons and you if you don't like the ones they currently give you you've got that uh, thing that you press button you press and hopefully it'll give you a new one and it gives you plenty of hints on what to do what it entails with a question mark so i, I want to see where this goes all right though you know what it does make me curious 
if they institute these ways for people to well, direct people on what to do next, it reminds me of a certain few MMOs who they get their players to log in and I guess slowly advance themselves every time they log in by telling them what to do by using, I guess, a list of daily tasks, almost chores, but something like that. I'm not sure if this is where the, what they're going for, though. Mm. All right, well, listen, this is for new players, so all of our fans probably won't really be uh, interested in this. Let's move on to something else. What else have we got today? Well, we've got Hunter's Boon, which happened yesterday, and this is quite something to celebrate. Okay. And it reads here, Outspoken Capsuleers, you've been as diligent as ever with providing feedback to EVE Online's development team, and as a result, there are several feature changes and updates in the pipeline, following up on previous updates such as Enter the Portal. The upcoming changes are as follows. Mobile covert Sino beacons, buffs to the pacifier and enforcer, bonuses to reduce nullifier penalties for interceptors, hardened cloak booster extension, tech 3 cruiser skill loss removal, and though it isn't covered here, we'll cover it shortly, I will talk about the PvP side of the Marauder changes to the Bastion module. In the previous episode, we covered the PvE side. I'll, I'll try my best to cover the PvP side. Thanks to your fantastic feedback and all this more will be coming to EVE Online in the very near future. Please log on to Singularity Test Server to see the features and etc. Right. I, I believe we've spoken about the mobile covert Sino beacons and the pacifier and enforcer changes. I am really, really glad to see the reduced nullifier penalties for the interceptors. According to HoboLeaks, they, well, they're reducing certain scan resolution problems because the currently the cloakly, uh, uh, the cloaky de uh, nullifier, de uh, the nullifier devices reduce scan resolution, which is a massive pain to interceptors. Uh, interceptor pilots who are doing a lot of hunting, they need to be able to lock on things as soon as possible. By halving their locking speed, that's one tick too many. One tick could be all it takes for somebody to escape or be caught, so it's it's honestly really detrimental. I am glad to see it being removed. As for the hardened cloak boosted extension, people were complaining that cloak uh, the cloak duration was too short, they couldn't keep their super carriers cloaked and hidden when they got them to a certain area. This booster will allow you to cloak for a, a lot longer of a time. However, you need to actually take the booster before you cloak. So if you're cloaked and somebody's trying to decloak you and you want a longer cloak, you're going to have to, de uh, even if you swallow those drugs, you're going to have to decloak and recloak. That's kind of risky. So you want to be taking this drug beforehand. And the final one, the elephant in the room, and the reason why I'm dressed up to party, is the Tech 3 Cruiser skill loss removal. For the longest time, if a very long time ago, way before I played the game, if you died and you didn't have an upgraded clone, you lost skill points. That sucked. They removed that. The Tech 3 Cruisers, the strategic cruisers, have a system where if you get into it, and if you lose a ship, and if you have certain subsystems installed, when you die, you lose skill points. You lose levels off it. It doesn't take too long to train, but it is a pain. A lot of people have been t uh, talking about why isn't this removed, because it's an antiquated system. And now it is finally removed. At long last. People can fly around in Tech 3 Cruiser 
compositions without worrying that if they die, they might not have the perfect stats for the next one. Mm. Yeah, and I'll jump in with, I think, uh, uh, let's say, Norsec, a uh, big fleet perspective. So right now we do have a uh, big text re- uh, cruiser fleet uh, in Norsec. Um, sometimes we have Loki fleets, Tengu fleets, stuff like that. But we were told to only train uh, offensive subsystem to five and everything to four uh, for the sake of uh, just just to avoid uh, any big losses on skills. So for a level three to level four skill training, it's about 17 hours. But for level four to level five, it's about four days with mm-hmm. a plus four implant. In. Yeah, so it's basically that. So right now, we're basically, you, you can perform much better with everything to level five. Um, so it really allows people to commit um, that skill point for your Tech 3 Cruiser. I'm really glad to see these changes, and I'm sorry to hear that they won't let you train it all the way to 5, because the <laughs> Tech 3 Cruisers, to me, they're in this very unique space, because they are incredibly versatile. They have the damage, they have a huge damage capacity, and they start blurring the lines on what the ship can do. The Tech 3 Cruiser isn't, would I think... I think the Tech 3 Cruiser as a support flat platform, well, it makes any idea of a Tech 3 battle cruiser, Tech 3 command ship, irrelevant because it, it can function as links, it can function as Logi, it can function as um, Ewan support, and it can function as damage. And if you start mixing the subsystems around, you can do both. And in uh, my type of PvP, small gang PvP, the Tech 3 Cruiser can be pushed to some really ridiculous limits. 100mn Tech 3 Cruisers, 100mn Logi Lokis that cost 8 billion each. I uh, I once told a goon director they, they couldn't afford a Logi Loki doctrine. They were very upset to hear that they couldn't afford something. Then they looked at the fit. They were even more upset when they they realized they couldn't they actually couldn't well, afford it. Why, why were you telling them they couldn't afford it? Well, I, I thought it would be funny. I thought... How funny would it be if you told a goon director they could not afford your doctrine? People who, uh, No, okay. And, I'll, I'll, is that, I'll, are you I'll, holding I'll, a switchblade? What, what is that? Oh, no, this is a comb. This is a comb. Oh, I'm getting ready for the party. Oh, all right. Okay, I'll, I'll say the other side, which is if you fit two or three, eight billion Loki, if you SRP it, no problem. When you're fitting 50, 70 of them in a fleet, you're, if you get the entire fleet wiped out, how much would that cost? Oh, it's not a scale. It's not quantity. It's not quantity. If I can, okay, let's say no matter how much you rep as one Loki, I can, I'll rep you by three Lokis with, lo- uh, with worse fit, but more more people on the field. And that three Loki combined together, is not even half of the price of your Loki. So from an economic point of view, it's not worth it. It it indeed isn't. But it was fun to tell somebody who has infinite money that they couldn't afford something. <laughs> yeah, and also I would say, I guess two things about why Tech 3 Cruiser fleets are really great. Uh, one is, uh, I think like Rich said, uh, you can switch out the Tech 3 Cruiser sis, uh, subsystem. So it's very hard to tell who is uh, Logi and who is actually uh, DPS and who is support, stuff like that. Um, experienced uh uh, FCs, or there's usually one person in a fleet, let's say, who are very experienced with Tech 3, that person's going to call out. It's basically going to look, switch the camera view on that, on each 
a Tech3 cruiser and then see which one has the has it fitted, like as a Logi or a booster. I mean, it's very easy to see um, to see the front end of uh, Tech3 cruisers to uh, to make a decision on what kind of uh, subsystem is fitted. And number two is the tank. So a Tech3 cruisers can fit about twice uh, of the tank as a, let's say uh, a hack can. And it's, it's basically the same amount of um, uh, deep, uh, EHP as a hack with ADC on. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing... Lost your mic. Again. Check your mic. I think your cat unplugged you. Yeah. Those cats, they're like gremlins. They have the same ears. Nope, your mic is out. All right, as he gets that fixed. Uh, by the way, do you have a link to this um, Outspoken Capsuleers? This, uh, discuss this update on unofficial forums. Yeah, I thought I had links to that. Do you have those? Uh, that's, uh, I don't think I do right now. I think we had a few times, like last week or something like that, when it's actually relevant on the forums. <laughs> Because yeah. right now everything is on DevLive. It's well, official right now. The reason that we're, we're a little bit late on this news is because uh, yesterday was one year anniversary of the war. And we'll, actually, let's go back and talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, I won't do it now, but that's what yesterday was spent on. So that kind of took up all the, all the room. All right, Rich, do you have your mic back or did... Uh, I, th- I hope I do. Do I have yeah, my mic yeah. back? You're back. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, where was I with the Logi, T3 Logi Cruisers? I, the last, to my, uh, well, I still remember it vividly because it was the night that truly amazed me. And that would be when Inner Hell used their Logi Lokis. And I think Volta uh, at the time also used their uh, Legion fleet setup. And those T3 Logis, they were just absolutely terrifying to deal with uh, when I was in test. A lot of FCs, they struggled to find a way to deal with it. Unfortunately, those two groups no longer pop out of wormholes and one of them has completely disbanded but i i want to see tech 3 the cruisers again and most importantly i want to see the proteus buff because it is a terrible terrible ship <laughs> well it has a purpose i think it does have it a does purpose not. it has one purpose i just don't know what it is but i think it does it, do something it's used for hauling it's used for hauling a lot hauling oh well yeah. oh no come yeah. on you could use a tengu for that that's so much better no, you need low slot. We need a lot of low slot for the uh, expanded cargo hold. And look, for for travel fit uh, Tengu, you can only fit, I think, two low slots if you fit it correctly. And I'll mention this one big competitor in NOSEC for Tech 3 Cruiser Logis uh, will be a fax. Right? If you look at uh, economic wise, I mean, right now, after the industrial change, um, the price of them is going up. Uh, but still, if you, let's say up eight billion, I think that's the number that I heard from Rich. Uh, that's way over a, a very good fitted uh, fax, even right now oh. after the change. Well, we may look at a very well fitted fax in a bit. Shall we move on to the Hobo leaks uh, changes? Sure. Let's make sure they're accurate though, because last time we were talking about them and they ended up changing right in front of us. Or well, actually, we got better information. Okay. Well, they've yeah, go ahead. added the, the whole bonus to penalty and scan resolution penalty. So no longer a fifth, no longer such a dis, well, demoralizing reduction to scan resolution. It's just slightly irritating now. This covers all the interceptors, 
doesn't appear to be any other changes. However, this was something that was covered before. Wait, hang on. Let's go back to the yeah. interceptor uh, thing that you just talked about there. Explain the before and after. Before, okay, before the, if you attached a interdiction nullifier module, you experience around 50% of your scan resolution going down. So if you were to lock a cruiser in three seconds, you were now, with a 50% reduction, you now had to wait about six seconds or so to lock it. And if you're going around hunting, that is really obnoxious. You could land on somebody, you can land on the site, and previously you would be able to lock them, tackle mm-hmm. them, all that good stuff. Now you can't. You have to right. watch so them warp off. Let's just make sure that people who are just watching this show that are interested in EVE Online understand that uh, that's all part of hunting, is how fast you can land on somebody and lock them and then be able to disable their engines, for instance, and then you could take them apart if you want to. But if you're not able to grab them when you land... They're going, to, they're going to flee, and so you're just out of luck. So that was too big a change for them, for interceptors. Um, one of the things I, well, and many others resorted to doing, if we fitted the interdiction nullifier module, we had to juggle between switching, putting it offline and then putting it online when we travel. We put it to offline when we do, we're doing hunting and we're doing general things to avoid the scan resolution penalty, and we put it back online when we're traveling so we can have the safety. It was just tedium yeah what's wrong with that what about that isn't that more piloting you know like okay let's put it this way i'm i'm running a show and engineering it at the same time i accidentally forget to unmute myself it's it happens and it is screwy and monotonous but it shows you a difference between a good engineer and me hey 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 you can't say that (laughs) i i once Went into a system, saw pe- two people in local. I thought, there's only two people in local. I don't have it. I don't have the uh, interdiction nullifier module active. I'll just, I'll have it offline right now. I'll just warp across this system. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> there was a saber and a hawk with a bubble up. The well, I will tell you that hawk died. I did not die. I am good enough to have killed, gotten them killed despite the fact I landed straight into that. So they caught you, but you ended really up killing them. Yeah. Yes. But that was really, that really upset me that I fell for that, that I thought two people in local, what could possibly go wrong? And I got caught. But a lot of people with interceptors have lost their interceptors recently because they didn't, they don't know about this change. I've killed some of them myself. So hmm. we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see if this whole scan resolution and penalty thing makes hunting a lot more bearable. Okay, so all that to say that uh, interceptors can catch things faster than they could after the uh, recent nerf or recent change. Yes, the whole juggling, turning it online and offline, it's not completely necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I would still juggle it because I want that extra scan resolution, but you don't absolutely need it now. All right, Rich, what's the next thing? Uh, the so we've talked about the whole cloaking thing. This is a big one, and it has. I'm not even going to say it's divided the small scale PvP community, because there are there are people who are upset about this nerf, and they are a minority. There are a lot of people praising this nerf, and they are the majority. The biggest pro- uh, so the bastion module, the marauders, were buffed. They were given a massive DPS buff. 
Wait, 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 wait. Hold on to that statement. Hold on to that statement. Oh,、uh, everyone who are running escalations in in low sec missions in high sec low sec, they are not happy with this. Okay. Well,、um, okay, that's the PVE community. The PVP community. <laughs> Still PVP community. Okay, again, what do you count as PVP? Big fleets? Do they count as PVP? Right. There,、yes. we use marauders to jump on fleets of twenty, thirty tech one cruisers, and now we can't. <laughs> Right, so we're、oh, the... still talking about what kind of PVP are we talking about? <laughs> okay, the big problem with、uh, I'll talk about the big problem of、uh, the Bastion module now. Previously,、yeah. the big problem with the Bastion module, which was the Bastion module, is very similar to the Siege module on the Dread. You locks you in place. You get a big bonus to damage, but it's a lot shorter. It used to be sixty seconds. Now it's thirty seconds. But previously, when the Bastion module was active, you were completely Immune to ECM, you cannot be jammed, and you had a massive ECM strength. Electronic countermeasures, if,、mm-hmm. electronic countermeasures. So if you're jammed, you can only lock the person who's jamming you. It's kind of like a taunt in World of Warcraft or Dota or League of Legends if you played those. So, the other thing it gave you is a lot of scan,、uh, scan strength, meaning anybody who tried to probe you down, they're out of luck. They can't probe you down. They also gave a massive ninety-five percent bonus, well, resistance to sensor dampeners. So if somebody tried to dampen you, say they have a fifty percent、uh, damp on your scan resolution, because it's ninety-five percent resistant. Well, fifty fifty、uh, kilometers, fifty percent divided by ten. Five percent divide that by two, two point five. It took so, you a little long, <laughs> but go on. Hey, it's okay. It took me longer. People speak faster than they think. Yeah.、Um, so b- because of that,、uh, sensor dampeners, while you had a bastion module active, did nothing. Weapon disruption ninety nine point nine, repeating resistant. Weapon disruption did nothing. Target painters, did nothing. This was a huge problem because electronic warfare is used to,、uh, well, leverage strength. They can make a smaller fleet. Much stronger if the electronic warfare is correctly applied, and it can make a larger fleet even stronger if it's correctly applied. But with the,、uh, something like a bastion module, it was completely immune. The only thing you could do against a bastion marauder is to bring energy neutralizers and more damage, which usually translated to more numbers. And that's it's not a good system to implement. It.、Mm. In addition to this, dreadnoughts, when they were In siege, they might have been resistant to electronic warfare, but they were not completely immune. If I used if I use my crucifier against a high angle weapon dreadnought designed to hit smaller ships, which I have, even though my weapon disruption is not as effective, it will still cut its application by a a third, and that's quite a lot. Against a marauder prior to these changes, it does nothing. The crucifier does nothing. You're saying the, the Marauder was actually more powerful against electronic warfare than a Dreadnought. Oh hell yeah! yeah. I'd, I'd say the、uh, right now the Marauder, in terms of fighting small,、uh, well smaller ships, is way more powerful than a Dreadnought. It、mm. is cheaper. It applies better. It, in some ways, can do practically the same amounts of damage, and the Marauder has a reduction to the amount of time it takes、uh, until it can use the micro. The large micro jump drive unit, so we can instantly jump a hundred kilometers. Okay, so、uh, those are the advantages over dreadnought. 
Right. And this is why we were talking about the, uh, the design of the Marauder was to give players a chance to make a lot of money being out there in space by themselves. This is something we covered a few shows ago. I think last Friday when we were talking about this Marauder nerf that came out. But the PvP, especially small gang community, was saying, these things are too strong against us. We can't take them down. And well, that's a problem. When, well, of course, when you have one on the field, anything within 100 kilometers can get jumped on. And anything within around 90, 100 and something kilometers of its range just got constant damage applied to it. It can track lots of small things. It was just incredibly obnoxious to deal with. And the only way to deal with it is to bring more numbers. And if they've got more numbers, if they've got a large fleet backing them, they were just a 100-kilometer ball of death that you couldn't do anything against. You couldn't use electronic warfare to weaken them. Nothing. So they were yeah. honestly a huge problem. They were problem. too tough. They're supposed to be PvE, well, but they're too tough on PvPers, too. Especially, so. when, especially when the large Norblock started using them. Ah, how did they use them? Ruin everything. Shan, how did they use okay. them? So let's say you have um, 20 men, 30 men, take one cruiser in ESS, because that's apparently their favorite spot in the whole Norfolk. And when you're in there, if you bring, let's say, a Baden fleet with Guardian as lodges, you tend to lose one or two ships. Um, just by the sheer amount of DPS, you need to uh, warp in, land, lock up, and then capturing up, and then start to rep. So that, that takes a few seconds, and by that, by that time, um, there's a high chance enough DPS can melt down, let's say, abandoned or Tempest Fleet issue. But with the Marauder, you can go in, uh, let's say, four or five in a group, go in into the ESS, uh, Bastion up, and then you can start webbing, just basically free fire on those. Um, they, they can break your tank easily since you have five, you have four or five of them. You have high enough DPS, so in this case, just like normal ratting, your DPS is your tank. So you can take enough number quickly enough to uh, to reduce the amount of DPS, which is going to be better, healthier for your tank. Yeah. So it's basically it's a balance between DPS and tank. So that that so concept. Note, yeah. Hold on, let me just reinforce yeah. that concept for newer players. When you said DPS is your tank, that means you do so much damage to your opponent that you clear them so quickly, you reduce the incoming fire from them, and that's how you survive. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry. And also, on that note of uh, compare Bastion mod to uh, Siege mod, Siege is immune to ECM, and they have 60% uh, resist to uh, sensor damp and weapon disruption. So. Uh, so I think ECM is one of the most deadly thing right now um, for, let's say, big ships like Marauder or uh, or Dread. So what you can do literally is bring one ECM boat and one cruiser. I mean, a few cruisers. That That's enough uh, DPS to break the tank. That's it. You don't need to tank anything if you have a good enough ECM boat. So in some ways, the Marauder has no chance to to protect itself at all. The, the only thing that they can do uh, is, uh, again, auto-targeting missile uh, golem. That's the only thing that they can do. So, who knows? We'll see. I'm sh I'm sure people will make use of, well, Marauders, despite the fact of these changes. Maybe they could uh, switch out one of their low slots or mid slots for a module that counters electronic warfare. But essentially what the changes are now... Rather than being completely immune to electronic warfare once you're bastioned, you now get double 
sensor strength, meaning right now I believe their sensor strength is 24, so if so, uh, ECM, acting as a taunt, has to roll a certain dice, the stronger the ECM, the better chances it has against you. So 24 for a Marauder is a, well, it's a pretty healthy number, I'd say. Plus you apply some skills, it, your sensor strength should be a lot higher. Now under Bastion, your the default 24 will be bolstered to 48. That's quite difficult to jam. So that will be... Well, you're not immune, but you're still going to be difficult to jam. The big killer now is the sensor dampener uh, resist, resistance, weapon disruption resistance. I'm not so much about the target painter resistance. Usually most, people, most things can hit a marauder, so I'm not worried about the target painter one. But the sensor dampener one is huge. That means if somebody dampens you, if somebody hits you with a 50% damp, let's say your lock range is 130, normally your lock range will be cut by 50%, so your lock range will now be 65. However, because of its 50% resistance, they will only be able to knock out 25% of your lock range, which is... Let's just say 80-something. 80 80-something. 80 so it's you, you're still going to be resi resistance again, uh, resistant against Sansa dampeners, but it's still it, it'll actually hurt you now. Weapon disruption, I think, is going to be the biggest killer for the Marauders, and I'll tell you why. Because once the stream is over, if you go on the t uh, Talking in Stations Discord, I will link you my personal. What was the ship called again? Crucifier thing, <laughs> which will apply with the correct skills a 60% weapon disruption at 108 uh, around 110 108 kilometer range with the correct skills it is new player friendly if you downgrade the modules and this will absolutely irritate anybody it will ruin fights and most importantly it'll tilt the uh, the marauders mm. but back to the weapon disruption thing so instead of, say, you losing 60% of your application, you only lose 30%. That's still a huge number, especially if somebody stacks uh, one or two or three of the weapon disruptions on you. So I, I, th I like this change. This means somebody who brings electronic warfare can now, even the battle, they can now take out the ship and so, change how the fight is. Rich, it seems like what we're looking at here is PvP uh, adjustments to the Marauder's defenses, essentially. Allow a small pack of diverse ships, especially electronic warfare, to almost like roping a giant bull, right? Like you're, you're throwing a rope and grabbing one horn and somebody's grabbing another horn and you can render the bull unable to escape, unable to really do damage to you, and then you can... Uh, take it out if that's what you're trying to do. So it looks like this is allowing electronic warfare small gang groups to be able to wrestle with a Tech 2 battleship. And Shen, what you're saying is this is going overboard because if these things are going to protect uh, the elect, what is it, the encounter surveillance system, ESS, which is like a little treasure chest in space that belongs to you and you have to go and collect it that it doesn't take much to disrupt people who are using Marauders to do that. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, after this, we, we do have other options, just like, you know, so we have a lot of options, uh, but we basically lost an option we had uh, before. Mm, okay. Wait a minute, Jason. Also, didn't, didn't you lose, 
Didn't you encounter two marauders inside of an electronic surveillance system and lose a decently sized fleet to um, Fabski, a Lions tournament captain? Uh, yeah, that <laughs> happened. Uh, I mean, look, at it's not, uh, we're yeah. not expecting. Yep. It, it had, like it, it was 200 kilometer off ESS. We're expecting about 75 right outside kilometer. Uh, right outside DSS. Um, we should have gone in with uh, more orders in. I think the FC was... So after that, we, we took a lesson. And next time we see anything in ESS, ESS uh, basically, if they have cruiser, we go in with battleship. If they have two more orders, we go in with five more orders. All numbers. <laughs> that, that, that's the only way. All right, question Question from the audience here. Juan Fain asks, does it mean that you can remote assist a marauder now? Uh, no, nope. no, that does not mean you can remote assist a marauder. Doesn't uh, work yeah. the opposite way, huh? You can't boost Absolutely your not. friends. Okay. Uh, also, the target painter visits is one of the most useless uh, <laughs> things that I would say on a marauder. Um, something that a capital gun can track does not need any target painter on it. Right. It's yes. The, one one of the big reasons the marauder in the past were not used is because the bastion was 60 seconds. In 60 seconds, somebody can warp in a Sino, light it, and drop a capital gun dread on you and hit, instantly kill you in one hit. Now it's 30 seconds. The odds of that happening, bit slim. Still possible, but bit slim. Mm. All right, so that, the, the, uh, these are changes to the Bastion module, not to the Marauder itself, correct? Not to the Marauder itself. Yeah, it's to the Bastion feature that it has and it seems like as a compensation, it doesn't lock you into that decision for 60 seconds anymore. Now it's only 30 seconds. Oh, no, 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 no. The 30 seconds change was a while ago. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that was when it got updated the first time. Yes. Okay. I'm still not a big fan of the whole, the massive increase to damage that the Marauder received from mm. that change. But, well, I think it makes sense because the Bastion module, the way it works, how it locks you down, and gives you all this bonus, uh, all these bonuses. It's very similar to a dreadnought, and like a dreadnought, it should receive resistance to electronic warfare, not immunity. All right. Well, uh, looks like Rich has something to celebrate about. That's why he's all dressed up. He's going to the uh, anti-marauder ball, I suppose. Oh uh, yeah. Shen not so happy because he's part of uh, Army of Mangoes and they own sovereignty and they want to protect their space. And marauder was one of the options they had. Do that well speaking of army of mangoes something happened with norhouse shen what's happening uh yeah, we didn't see that. yeah so uh so this is this king was out yesterday from uh frat uh so basically norhouse is out of quarantine so he's free to be uh leading way, any police right now for our listeners this is uh a mandarin isn't it do you know what language this is that we're looking at? Yes, this is... Uh, uh, yeah, Mandarin. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's not a, it Mandarin. It's not something that we can read, but you guys might be able to read it. Yeah, I can read it. I yeah. believe th there is another person in the crosshairs of Fraternity's long-reaching arms. Vindictive. Hang on, what does this yeah. ping say? Did you say what this ping said? Yeah, that was good. So Sorry. this ping was sung yesterday, and it pinned out like yesterday around the 1300 1400-ish uh, EDC time. So it basically says uh, tomorrow, so it is from yesterday, tomorrow at 1200 UTC, we'll have 
a, a, a fleet of uh, something that we don't know yet that's going to come to Esoteria and to have a fight. And they're, they're going to come through a wormhole. Yeah, now, I see that. I, I can't read much of this, but I see one thing I can read. It says A-O-M. <laughs> Is that a coincidence? Uh, yeah, so basically they're coming to us. Uh, <laughs> not surprising, you know. <laughs> like this is the first thing I think Norris has done um, after he's out. So mm-hmm. quite flattered right now. You know? I understand that he's, he's, re- he's been thinking about us all the time. <laughs> he is today. I'm free. <laughs> well, Maria Taylor from Fraternity, who was CSM fifteen. Yes. Represent, yes, CSM15 announced on the Talking in Stations Discord that Vindictive is no longer, uh, their standings have been reset and they are considered a valid target. They are in the crosshairs for the fights to come. What happened there? Okay, so Vindictive was uh, a legacy coalition uh, alliance. And so. They also moved during that huge migration wave uh, for mm-hmm. Legacy Alliances. And right now they're located in Paragon Soul and Fifth Abolis. So if you go on the Fifth Abolis map, we're, uh, they're right now still taking um, the last bit of soft that Red has in Fifth Abolis. Uh, so basically, they are very close to us. And well, for Noros, they considered as Aeon Pet. Yeah, and then basically he's going to reset Vindictive as well. It's basically for so essentially what it melts down to is uh, fraternity has more targets to shoot when they come to our area. So he he considers them part of your group. Basically, like Elder Lions, stuff like that. That's what yeah. he said, I think. So now he's going to uh, make it open season on them since he is an enemy of yours. Yeah. What? I mean, this is we're still in Pappy, but who knows? All right. Well, with marketing things, the uh, price of Plex and the amount of orders have uh, gone up, surprisingly, uh, despite the slightly lower player count. Who knows what's caused the reduced player count? We've had Phantomite on, and he's talked about his results that he's gotten from a survey, and we've got speculations of uh, COVID uh, taking, well, no longer having that much of a lockdown and people being taken away and going back to real life. But the plex, the plex prices have gone up according to this chart, and the amount of people ordering it have also gone up. Yeah, what's that? Uh, about? So, Zoom in on that if you can. Uh, so, what do you guys think? I mean, I think that giant spike right there is uh, due to an event of some sort. I think it was either plex sale or you can buy plex with a skin and a month omega. Like CSB does that kind of things on, I would say, a monthly basis, but very mm-hmm. often. So that may that was spike maybe, but after that spike, you can see it's about the same amount of Plex that's being sold every day. So you it reckon a, it's a you reckon it's because of the the whole pop up that people buying Plex? <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> you sh- that is funny. Well, the other thing uh. that has gone down as a result of recent changes, the Paladin. The Paladin has gone down, so uh, sucks it's to those who. Yeah, the Marauder. We'll take a look at the Varga, which is the other popular I one. Mean, um, Marauder can't go down too much. They're already selling at their uh, production cost. 
So、oh. unless the mineral goes down, they can't really be pushed down so, that much. So that's an important point there. How many things have you looked around, Shen? How many things are, are reaching their production cost? And here's why that's important. When CCP decided they were going to make changes to industry, it affected a lot of ships. And in doing so, the ships were selling for less than their actual production cost because there were, we assume, stockpiles and people were selling stuff maybe that they bought a few weeks earlier on the market、uh, and were selling it for 20% more and still making a profit. But that was still under what the potential cost of these ships are. So when you say that something is now selling for its production cost, How many things, if you've looked around, are reaching that point? Because that means we're, f- we're hitting the bottom of the speculation and we're looking at the new normal.、Uh, not a lot. <laughs> More others are one of them.、Uh, because it's such a popular market.、Mm. Uh, things like, for example, all the new components that we're seeing after the industrial change, they're all inflated twice or three times the production cost. So let's say a smart、uh, industrialist wouldn't buy them from the market. They would just make, them, make it themselves or buy the material from the market and make it、uh, themselves too. Those, those are overpriced. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, industry at its core is basically adding values layer by layer from the base material to the final product. So, if you can reduce that layer, that means you can earn money through the process. So, for example, right now, a Kronos, if you, can, if you buy everything from the market, it's about the same price as you are selling right now.、Uh, but let's say if you only buy the raw materials and you invent the BBC yourself, you do everything by yourself、um, from the most basic Mungu to、uh, basic minerals、um, to all the T2 minerals, right? Everything you build yourself, you have a much better margin compared to people who buy、uh, components. Uh, either T2 components or、uh, the base,、uh, the Megathron base ship.、Right? They're、mm-hmm. always profit made through each one. So that's the difference between building it yourself, buying wholesale ingredients, and building it yourself versus buying it off the market. Yeah. So if you can, you have the ability. It's better to just literally buy the materials. But one of the things that most people don't have is the skills to build a lot of T2 ships、mm-hmm. and a lot of big. Ships like、uh, a capital component or just a capital ship in general. So, I mean, that's where they get their、um, margin from, or that's where they get to earn their money from. It's those trainings、uh, to have higher chance of invention、uh, in T2 PVCs and,、uh, and basically th- the fact that they're able to make something that other people can't. Yeah, right. Well, okay, so that's the, where the wild speaking, card is. Speaking of capital ships. Wait, wait, don't go on any further. I want to explain a concept that some players may not know. Sorry, hold your thought though. Don't lose it.、Uh, there was a change that happened to industry a while ago. I don't remember when it was, and it didn't last very long because it got reversed pretty quickly. I think it might have been when Cryos was,、uh, Cryos expansion was around. And they said basically, instead of a win or lose when you、uh, decide to do invention on an item,、uh, which means if I have 10 pieces of research materials that I deposit, And、uh, I deposit it on a T1 blueprint and I try to do、uh, some research on it to make it a T2. I lose all those 10 pieces. But if I'm lucky, there's a dice throw and I get a T2 blueprint. If I get a T1,、uh, if I fail the experiment, I just lose everything in the T1 blueprint as well. And there was a change that CCP was proposing, and that was there would be degrees of losing. So some of that meant that you would get five. Pieces of research、uh, ingredients back, 
uh, when you failed, but didn't fail miserably. And there was also ways of uh, partially winning uh, pieces back, even if you did get a T2. In other words, instead of it being all or nothing, uh, they wanted to have degrees of how well research went. And the player base rejected that. Uh, or a lot of players were like, nope, nope, don't want to do that because I can't possibly calculate my overhead or how much I'm investing or I just can't. Um, my spreadsheets will fall apart if I don't account for stuff that's coming back in from experiments that didn't fail horribly. I think that was part of it. The certainty of production design was thrown into question and CCP decided to drop that out which is pretty interesting if you think about it. But the reason I bring it up is because invention to make a T1 blueprint, a T2 blueprint, is the wild card where you might spend a lot of money trying to gamble to get that to work, or you might get it the very first try. So you don't, you don't really know how to build that cost in uh, in a fixed way. It's very much dependent on how well your experiments go. And that depends on skills, which is what Shen was saying. Some people don't have the skills to make that go, make that experiment work that often, and therefore they waste a lot of money trying to experiment. Okay, back to you. Go ahead. All right. Well, we've got th uh, three battles to cover, all of them featuring capitals of some kind. All right. We we'll start off with uh, one that happened two days ago in three one nine tech three delve. This was a fleet pinged out by Sandrin Stone and commanded by several people. The fight was a, well, a bit of a disaster. They lost five... Who's they? Dreadnoughts. Uh, test. Test, test of the last five Dreadnoughts. Mm -hmm. And, but otherwise, the rest of the fight, it honestly looked... I don't want to say even, because it's hard to judge simply by points and ships lost, but aside from the, the Dreadnought loss, it's... The points and the ship uh, lost is relatively similar. But they pinged something out. They used uh, five dreadnoughts on it. Test and test lost those uh, five dreadnoughts. What's interesting is the, the person they were fighting against is none other than Elo Knight. He is still commanding. He is still fighting. And in Feroxes, those are cheap. So that's a good. That's a good oh. win. By the way, this is where three one nine is. Just so you know, it's not three tech D where everything's happening. It's way over here in NPC Delvin. How did I miss that? I, I reckon. Let's try this again. There it is. I I don't know what's I I don't know what caused this. I understand uh, I, I, at I least know, one of the. Okay. What happened? So so what happened was uh, basically there were pause, uh that's being uh, destroyed or bashed by test, and instead of just using a hack fleet doing it over and over again, they jump in five threats basically to bash it out. And Goons saw that opportunity because it was not protected by a sub uh, by a sub capital fleet for some reason. Because usually there should be a cap uh, fleet with a sub cap fleet, an escort fleet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, so we should just we, sorry. We should just say what's the purpose of those uh, escort fleets? It's essentially to give them uh, extraction capability because uh, capitals have a hard time extracting themselves or making it possible for them to jump out if they're captured or taken on by a smaller fleet because the ships are moving too fast, they're hard to target, and uh, they're tied down. 
And so what you want is always support a bigger fleet of big ships with a smaller fleet. They can untangle them so that bigger fleet can jump out, saving you lots of uh, isk uh, in destruction if you can save those. Okay, go ahead. Another thing, and also in see, like, hold on, let let Shen finish. Oh, I cut oh, him off. Oh, also in uh, in damage application, right? Uh, uh, dreads or capital fleets they usually don't bring any war, but a sub capital fleet usually brings some sort of war. So it'd be much better to have uh, a sub capital fleet around to have uh, to have better damage application. So what happened? So basically, they were bashing, and there's a goons fleet jumping in. Uh, it was uh, basically uh, bridged in by a Titan. And during the extraction, so you see on the BR here that not many ships were lost uh, by Gunswarm. So what happened, so the Gunswarm signaled into that system another uh, rag for bridging out. And that rag directly warped to a pause and successfully got uh, those Gun fleet out before uh the reinforcement fleet of eagles i think came came in and so tess and basic happy in general were bumping that uh rack before you could safe lock itself so it was kind of a close call for the rack pilot and he actually safely successfully safe locked in a pause can you hold that at the top so i could see uh, who the fcs were okay i'll hold it at the top I want to talk about the amount of uh, the importance of a subcap escort fleet. Mm -hmm. If you saw down there, there were a lot of bombers. Now, those bombers shoot torpedoes, and those things apply real well against larger ships, especially capitals. However, you bring a small fleet of just a few destroyers, and there's nothing those bombers can do. They They can barely touch destroyers. Yet the destroyers will tear through them like a hot knife through butter. So that So that's the importance of it. Mm. Bashing a pass without subcap support just mm, it it's a little like careless. It Sounds move. like it was a little yeah, careless. careless. Yeah. Dead careless. Yeah. So, and Elo, yeah, Elo like can make you pay even when you're not careless. Uh, but if you are careless, there's just no getting away from him. He's a well, legendary I, yeah, FC. Hope, yeah. Hope lessons are learned. Yeah, uh, lesson learned. Like a few days back, I think Serenity, like this quick story. Uh, we were moving cap. Uh, we were moving a super capital fleet, and the sub capital fleet was one jump out uh, the, uh, compared to the uh, main super capital fleet, and we got dread bombed. We lost a Titan. Oh, so it's big, big important lessons uh, in Serenity. Doesn't matter. So yeah, and that's just one. That was just one jump. Uh, the uh, sub capital escort fleet was just one jump away. Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. Just one jump away, and then there's a chance. So it's really important for any capitals to. Surrounded by sub capitals. Yeah, and those are Speaking usually serenity. Two, sorry, those are usually two different FCs, uh, right? Somebody's uh, fleet commanding yeah. the smaller ships, and somebody's yeah. fleet commanding the bigger ships. So there's some coordination there that has to happen. I mean, for move up, it doesn't really matter that much. Basically, one FC can sure. do it. But for right. let's say a really strat up, then yeah, it is important to have two FCs commanding different things, call different targets in different priorities. Sure. Go ahead, Rich. Well, speaking of Serenity, the Serenity Syndicate uh, Alliance, along with Orspost and OPA, there was a skirmish in Outer Ring, of all places. Hmm. I didn't know people lived in Outer Ring. That's NPC space, they... by the way. No, I thought that's... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is Outer Yeah, yeah. Nobody can Outer own Ring, Outer Ring. Yeah. Nobody... So uh, they were skirmished against Dark Side of the Eclipse. Now, they... the group they skirmished against was Fane Industries. 
we see here they use capitals. Two dreadnoughts were lost on one side, along with a fax. But on the other side, they lost uh, two carriers, two black ops. Oh, I like this fight. Fax. Yeah, it's honestly... That's well, a meaty capital fight. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Good exchanges, uh, good ships. It's not blobby. Uh, that's a nice fight. Now, Fane Industries is owned by PJ Hustle, who was a CSM 15 candidate. Mm-hmm. And he. what's interesting about him is, while during the start of the this war that's going on, during the invasion of Fountain and during the burning of uh, the Fountain Crescent, he operated a huge Intel network where he had all the choke points, all the gates on D-Scan and a stri- uh, on, on a stream so you could watch it. And it really irritated me, but it was uh, really interesting that he had that operating. Since... Unfortunately, with the da- downfall of Fountain, he's moved elsewhere and is no longer in. Uh, I believe at the time he was in an in- initiative renting group or an mm-hmm. associated group. All right. Thanks for telling us about PJ Hustle. Um, a little bit about Outer Ring, since Nick Bison was asking what region we're talking about. Outer Ring, you may know of something called Or, which is a group that builds all the uh, industrial ships in EVE Online, right? Like the Orca is an Or ship, the uh, Hulk. Everything that does mining is Or. And it's because the corporation that builds those ships or designed them is from that region, and it's called Outer Ring Excavations. Or. And uh, Outer Ring is one of those places where if there is a new industrial ship developed, uh, you will be able to get the blueprint only in that region. So it's not own, uh, it's not SOV that people can get. In other words, you can't conquer ore, but you can dominate it. Uh, sorry, you can't conquer Outer Ring, but you can dominate it. And it sits very, very snugly between, um, I think it's, what's out there? Um, Syndicate and... Uh, what's the other ring? Cloud ring. Cloud ring, yes. That's the big ring you can see from Placid, uh, which is also a neighboring uh, system. So it's up there in that. It kind of mixes up with the other ones. Actually, I should probably just show you. But anyway, Outer Ring, interesting place. Uh, it's, uh, it's a place that is worth visiting if you get a chance. All right, go ahead. I just wanted to put some color on the, uh, the region that you're talking about. Very well. And there was a skirmish yesterday inside of the laser hawks wormhole laser hawks turns out they had a hole into 1dq wow they went out and did <laughs> some fighting and then they got over escalated on apparently this is definitely not a eviction though it, i first suspected it was an eviction because of the sheer numbers i mean laser hawks being evicted by uh goon swarm goon, is what you were goon swarm. and then yeah. i thought to myself there's no way this is an eviction they can't afford to hold up that many people for that long to do an eviction yeah, it is let's put that in perspective an eviction takes days you have to stay in the hole and control the hole if you're in a wormhole and uh so that means you have to have like a camp in there there is no way you're going to take people away from 1dq uh at this point, or it's unlikely, I should say, that well, uh, they had to they had to free up people. If they were to evict it, they would have to free up people. They would have to hold whole control, which is tremendous stress on the people who are doing it. And in the meantime, Laserhawks is well a member of the Wormhole Coalition, and the fact that a Norsec group is trying to 
attack another wormhole group will rally a lot of people to their cause. But okay. no, this was just a this was a skirmish gone wrong, and they entered the hole and they fought. What's interesting about this hole is the J151909 is it is a pulsar and is a C5 pulsar, mm. which gives a massive bonus Ready? to Ranger. neutralizers, oh, the ahead. sig radius of ships, and shield ships, and uh, massively weakens armor ships. But we uh, we can see that. That they're in uh, Loki's. Used. Yeah, they're in a lot of shield ships. We can see the Golem, we can see the Loki, we can see the Minakawa, which mm. is a very expensive Minakawa. You can see a 35, almost 35 billion loss on the side of Laserhawks as a result of this escalation gone wrong. It's a good sized bite. Oh, yeah, that is a lot of Loki. Oh, but these are down. bombers that, that went in there and took care of business uh, on behalf of Imperium. Uh, Mass Kikis. Mass Kikis and Bombers, yeah. Yeah. Well, Minakawa, 7.8 build Minakawa. Yeah, I know. I'll say here, like, why is Kikimura so good for, let's say, uh, battles like this? Uh, first of all, it's small. It's a small-sized ship, so you can go through a wormhole without having to worry about collapsing it. Mm -hmm. And after the DPS is ramped up, it can output almost a cruiser-level uh, DPS. And it's cheap as well. Oh, nice. I wonder how they closed the wormhole because I had this horrifying thought. With the whole interdiction nullification systems that you can put on an industrial, you can get a 100mn sigil, put an interdiction nullifier module onto it, and warp it onto the hole and hit it with a 100mn sigil worth of mass. And you could do that... It it depends on what kind of hole it is. If it's XL, that's like three hey. three trillion ton. It's still, it, it it's still applies any. mass. It is still obnoxious. Hmm. All yeah, right. like, I, I need a fully fitted battleship to go six times back and forth to roll a, a hole, hole like that. So it's going to take a while. And before that, the, the fight should be over. All right. Well, we, we got to wrap up. Yeah. So finish up. Go ahead. Oh, I've got a party to go to. So... <laughs> Hold on, don't go yet, don't go yet, don't go yet. Uh, I just want to say a couple things about, one last thing about this. It is uh, uh, nice to see Laserhawks take somebody on. They can actually take them on, because Laserhawks are a very big boy in the wormhole community. Uh, they're one of the bigger groups there. And uh, Imperium, it's nice to see a victory for them uh, against these guys. But it does, you do have to consider, this is a coalition going up against a corporation. And that just puts something in perspective for you like things are off right now uh so it's uh it's interesting <laughs> nice sunglasses well, all right we'll let you go you can you can see the uh sheer numbers 246 to 24 involved uh, well battle reports obviously not always that accurate but that is 10 to 1 odds yeah well listen let's not keep you any longer uh let's let you go celebrate the marauder changes thanks very much rich thanks shen uh, and thank you guys for hanging out with us here at Talking In Stations. We're going to move you over to Trash Talk Tuesday. And we will see you next time on Talking In Stations.